Sarasota Herald, and uh, uh, there's a guy that knows a lot about sports, not only here in the Florida area, but also up in the Northeast as well. He lived out in the Boston area all his life. And so let me start off with Belichick, and uh, we so we'll go with Belichick first. And some of your thoughts on the fact that he's been pretty much frozen out, although his son just took a job as a defensive coordinator. So your thoughts on that? Well, I'm, I was, I'm kind of surprised. If you look at it, Belichick doesn't have a job and Mike Vrabel doesn't have a job. And if you were looking at two guys who had enough NFL experience as head coaches to get another job, you'd think they'd be the first ones to get one. But, you know, I, you know I, I'm beginning to think that a guy like Belichick, I, I think he's the kind of guy that sort of sucks the air out of the room, you know. I think he'd want – I think a lot of owners maybe don't want a guy like that sort of taking over their team. I think the reason Kraft got rid of him, I think Bob Kraft wanted his team back. I think that uh, he was such an, uh, a figurehead up there in terms of when you thought of the Patriots, you thought of Bill Belichick almost first. And I think Kraft wanted to maybe take his team back. And I think that's a lot of teams around the league maybe thought that Belichick would come in there and would want too much control, that he'd want to be a general manager, that he'd want to have last decisions on players. And if you look at the Patriots, uh, talent-wise, uh, they haven't been very good the last couple of years, and the buck stops with Belichick on that. I, I mean, he may be a heck of a coach, but as a general manager, he leaves a lot to be desired. Uh, if you look at his draft pick, if you look at his creation signings, a lot of them haven't materialized. And I think that's why this team went in the dumpster so quickly. I mean, when you think about it, uh, you know, a couple of years ago they, were, they had a winning record. Uh, Mac Jones was going to be the quarterback of the future. Now they're coming off a four-win season, and Mac Jones may have to go somewhere else to to reinvigorate his career. I, I think he's ruined. I think the Patriots pretty much didn't handle him very well as as a quarterback. I think he's ruined. So I think Belichick wants to coach again. It's what he does. It's that's all he's ever done. He may take a year off and recharge the batteries and get into a next listen. Guys, there are always head coaching positions open every year, right? Black Monday, there's always a handful of coaches that get fired. I think next year he may be back in the league, but I'm very surprised that Bill Belichick will not be in the NFL this year as a coach. I don't know what he's going to do. I mean, during football season, that's all he did. Now with no football, I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know what kind of hobbies he has. Uh, but uh, you won't see him on TV, you know what I mean? So I'm very surprised, but I'm not surprised that Ed Kraft moved on from him. Uh, this was four years they haven't been really a- a- any sort of a comparison to what they were with Brady and Belichick. They've really fallen off the table, and I think Kraft figured it was time to, to you know, listen, Brady had 20 years there. It was time to move on from him. It was time to move on from Bill Belichick, too, I thought. Roger, jump in. But I also uh, feel a couple of other things about Belichick. Number one, these owners want control of their teams now. The Eagles were a perfect example. Jeffrey Lurie let Chip Kelly have way too much authority. They moved Harry Roseman into a closet office. And he he came right out and said, I want my team back. And I think that's the way the owners are. They are making so much money now. They don't need to have a guy like Belichick around. Uh, and, and you're right about TV. Nick Saban, I saw today, got a job with ESPN uh, on the uh, pregame show and is an analyst, you know, with the draft and everything else. And he's a natural. Belichick does not have the personality to do anything like that in TV, unless he does 180 degrees, 
but that's not his personality. But I question at his age and uh, the way he he is, he had the opportunity to take the Falcons job, and he just uh, wants too much. He He's not willing to work with anybody. It's his way or the highway. Well, guess what, Bill? There's the highway. Yeah, I don't think he uh... – I don't know for a fact. I don't know if people like, for instance, you know, uh, Atlanta had Blank and Rich McKay, and they've sort of been a team there for, for many, many years. Who's to say Belichick didn't go in there and say, I don't want to work with Rich McKay as my well, general manager? Well, that's what I heard he did. That's what I heard I he mean, did. I mean, listen, Rich McKay, Rich McKay, uh, he was great down here with Tampa Bay. He was there when they drafted guys like Brooks and Sapp and everybody. But really, Atlanta has really – the bloom has fallen off that rose. I mean, they haven't done anything up there for a few years. And I question what Rich McKay, what Rich McKay has had to do with that sort of lack of success. So, but if you're Bill Belichick and you're looking for a job, you really have to go with your hat in your hand. And basically, because you know that uh, this team uh, as you're talking to is going to decide whether you work or not this year. So I don't think you make many demands, even if you're Bill Belichick, if you're looking for a job, listen, we got it with the Patriots. It was it was fine while they were winning, right? It was fine mm-hmm. while they were raising that principal body group. Once you stop doing that, and yet the the, the, the the megalomaniac that Bill Belichick is is still there, but the wind's not there, that gets old in a big, big hurry. And Kraft gave mm-hmm. him four years. This, this is not like it happened over one season. The last four years, this team has steadily gone downhill. And I think Kraft, listen, Kraft was an owner who was a season ticket holder, back when they played at Schaefer Stadium, back when they played at Fenway Park and in the Yale Bowl. And every time they lost, he bled. I mean, this is an owner who really it affects his week when his team doesn't win. And I think he got tired of feeling crappy during the week every time they were losing. And uh, he gave him four years. Now, now, listen, that said, they bring in a guy like Mayo, who has no experience as a head coach. He's been an assistant for four or five years was a great player, a great leader, but you're, you're taking your chance. But you bring a guy like that in, why? Because you can pay him about one-tenth of what you're paying Belichick, and you know he's not going to do anything to usurp your authority. He's just grateful to have a job. So I, yeah. I think in terms of a, uh, a polarizing figure or a megalomaniac type, of, a bigger-than-life personality, I think they got the exact opposite with Mayo now. He's just a guy who's going to put his nose to the grindstone and try to work. And, you know, he's going to have Bill, Bill Belichick's pedigree. So I think that's why Kraft went with a guy like that. He can control a guy like Mayo. And I don't think he can control a guy like Belichick anymore as the head coach. Doug Green is our guest this segment. And, of course, Doug, a super columnist for the Herald right here in Sarasota, Florida. And, of course, has covered all the sports that are to cover. But, Doug, I know you're going to have in the next couple of days a lot to say about this new dollar stream team because Fox, ESPN, Warner, they're going to launch a sports uh, Behemoth. I know you've read a little bit about it. It Really, a lot was written in the papers today. It looks like sports is just going to blow up all the way. Everybody's going to stream everything. Well, here's the thing. You know, I had had friends out in Kansas City because I used to work out. They went to school. And they're Kansas City fans. And a couple of weeks ago, their playoff game was on Peacock Network. And they were very, very upset because not a lot of people out there that I know had Peacock Network. So they have to go out to the bar and watch the game there. And, you know, really, when your team is in the playoffs, you expect the games to be, to be, to be free. You don't expect to have to pay to watch your team in the, in the playoffs. And the, the worst thing that could have happened was that they did great ratings, and it did. 
that game did, did bang out ratings. So what does the NFL think? You know, thinking about, you know, they, they make $10 billion a year. I guess that's not enough. So they, they, they're figuring out ways to monetize the game even more. Well, let the fans pay for it. The fans will pay for it. Yeah, the thing is, you pay for a playoff game, but if the Cardinals are playing the Panthers in week seven and both teams are one and six, I mean, maybe the hardcore fans are going to pay to watch that game, but who the heck else is? I, I, I think, you know, this, this stands a chance of, of, of them ruining. Listen, I think football, I'm not going to say it's ruined, but football the last four, five, six years is not the sport I remember watching growing up. It certainly isn't. They've legislated everything out of the game that made it football. They might as well just have, uh, you know, have flags and have a glorified flag football. But if they start charging people to watch football games, and like Brady said a few weeks ago, the quality is not what it used to be. You guys watch it. I mean, you guys watch the games. Wide receivers, their only job is to catch the football. They can't catch the football. You have linemen who look like they've never even practiced all week, going different directions, leaving a big hole for the guy to run. I mean, the, the quality of football is not what it used to be. So if you're thinking about paying to watch an inferior product, at some point the fans are going to say, I can live without this, okay? I can live Roger. without this. It's a, it's a once-a-week game. I'll watch the highlights on ESPN, five minutes, but I'm not going to pay $25 to watch a football game, whatever it costs. I refuse. I'm with you, Roger. Doug. I'll tell you, I, I agree with you 100%. When I hear about what they're going to do, they, uh, the future is streaming, I, I wasn't going to pay anything to watch that game on Peacock, and, uh, and I will not pay for anything. I mean, I figure I'm paying enough on my service to uh, watch TV that I'm not going to pay extra. And I, you know what I think is going to happen? I think the networks will finally get to the point they say enough is enough. We're not going to give you all this money, and then you take away key games that really make a lot of money for us. I, I, I'd be interested to hear what the, both of you had to say about that. Yeah, that's, well, that's, 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 you, an I, I, that's an interesting point. Yeah, you, you go ahead, Don. I'm I'm with you 100. percent I didn't buy Peacock either, so I I'm with you guys. I I'm not buying any more any more football games because I got enough football for what what that's free, and I've got, I'm not going to go any further. By the way, the Flyers right now are tied nothing nothing with the Rangers end of the first period, and uh, very very interesting. Uh, Doug, uh, let's get to the Super Bowl real quickly before Larry Bowe comes on. Uh, some of your thoughts about the Super Bowl. You know, it's a, it's a rematch of the game, what, three or four years ago. Kind of an interesting angle down here. Richie James, who went to Riverview High School down here, uh, was drafted, uh, played for the 49ers when they faced the Chiefs, was the return guy. Now he's playing for the Chiefs when they face the 49ers. So it's kind of an unusual little story there. But uh, listen, guys. Uh, uh, you know, you can analyze a game like this all you want. I just look at the quarterbacks, right? I just look at, okay, who's been there? Who's been under the, the most pressure of a Super Bowl? Who has proven that he's, he's done it? And that's Mahomes. Listen, a few weeks ago, I thought the Chiefs looked like they're not going to get their stuff together. I mean, they look bad. And all of a sudden, they put it together like the Patriots used to. And now they're playing good football. And I attribute that to Mahomes. I'm going, I'm going with Kansas City, guys. I'm going with the quarterback who's been proven. I'm going with the guy who's the, the latter-day Tom Brady. I'm going with the team that is currently the dynasty of the NFL, like the Patriots used to be. And uh, that's why I'm going with Kansas City. I mean, I like Purdy. I, I like the 49ers defense. I like a lot about them. 
But in a big game like this, I go with a team that's been proven, uh, you know, when it's the hottest in the cauldron, and that's why I'm, I'm going with Kansas City in this game. Uh, uh, I'm just looking at the quarterbacks, and that's who I'm going with. I'm not overanalyzing it at all. But what do you guys think? Roger? Yeah, I agree with you, Doug, uh, 100%. That uh, I'm going with the quarterback, too. And I think uh, Purdy's done well, but I think he's uh, really unchallenged. Uh, you know, and last year when uh, uh, they were playing the uh, Eagles in that NFC championship and he got hurt, uh, so, uh, you know, they said, oh, they should have, they would have won if he, he was there. You can't, you can never tell. But I, I agree with you. I think uh, with Patrick Mahomes, uh, I think that they have the better team. And Andy Reid's uh, record when he has a bye, uh, coming off a bye, is stellar. And I just don't see uh, San Francisco being able to overcome all that. Well, and here's the thing, guys. Here's the thing. We're in Taylor Swift's world, right? We're yeah. just visitors. So for the storyline to play like it should, Taylor Swift has to, you know, win a Super Bowl with, with her man, and they have to be hugging, kissing, and the cameras have to be on her every other second because apparently right. she's the game. It's not what's happening. She's the game in the, in the box. I mean, they complete a five-yard pass, and they, they go to her. I'm like, what is this? I mean, I come on. She's worth $800 million, but she's not on the field playing. Put the camera back on the field. But, uh, guys, you, you, you know football now. It's all about everything except what's going on on the field, it seems like. You know what I mean? Uh, it's, uh, what's happening on the field is the last thing. It's all the sidelight crap, which being old school right. like I am, I can't, I can't stand it. I, I hate it. Well, well Andy Reid doesn't get involved in all the off-the-field activities. Andy is very steady with everything he does. We – with him for a number of years in Philadelphia, obviously with the Eagles when he won there as well. Uh, he has one system. He's quiet. He doesn't. Uh, there's there's no jumping around or not much of a uh, showman in in, uh, in Ron Reed. But I'll tell you one thing: uh, he is one heck of a coach, and I, I don't care what they say about him. You got to show me somebody's going to beat him before I believe it. Well, you know, when you look at a Kansas City team, you can usually tell by looking at a sideline and the coach whether he's in control or not, or whether it's just chaos. Every time I look at an Andy Reid sideline, it looks like everything is in control. Even when they're down, it looks like it's calm, it's cool, it's collected. And I want a coach like that. I want a sideline like that when it starts to get – the pressure gets turned up. So that's why I like them. I mean, they've been through everything, and here they are on the other side after having kind of a uh, you know a rocky season. Here they are in the championship game. I think you might see the best game Kansas City's played this season in the Super Bowl, which is what you hope that happens. Your team plays its best game, the last game. I think you're going to see that out of Kansas City. I, I think it's going to be a tremendous performance by Kansas City on Sunday. Roger? Yeah, I do too. And, uh, I, you know, the other thing is you're, you're both really right on target about, you know, how calm and cool and collective he is and organized. And he's always been that way. He had a good uh, staff from the beginning when he had the great Jim Johnson as defensive coordinator. And I think Steve Spagnola has really uh, brought a lot of that uh, with him uh, and and is now really starting to surface because Andy went through a number of defensive uh, coordinators. I remember he had the uh, former West Coast, uh, West uh, Point, I should say, uh, uh, defensive coordinator, I think when he first uh, went to Kansas City, Bob, I forget his last name. And, uh, 
but it, it just it, it it's just a big difference. I mean, when you've uh, experienced the win and and uh, all the celebration. But I agree with you, Doug, about this uh, Taylor Swift uh, situation. You know, one of the things that came out, I heard this this afternoon, about uh, that the NFL going on this streaming and in the future, down the line, probably after my my lifetime, uh, it'll be streaming. But they say, well, we're, you know, that's what the young people, the uh, you know, 18 to uh, 24, let me tell you something. The 18 to 24 is not the hardcore NFL fan. You know, it's the 35, 30, 35, the 55, 60 years old. That's what the hardcore fan is. And I, I think I think they're totally wrong when they think that the uh, the kids, they'll wind up, they'll pay for this, the streaming. No, I don't think they will. They've got too many other things with their uh, phone, all the games, the computer games. It's not the young people. Uh, that are out there that are going to spend the money, my opinion. No, I think uh, when you talk about young people, you, they, have, they have a attention span of a gnat. So yeah. you know, if, if, they want, if they want a football game summed up, they can go on the highlights, they can watch three minutes of the highlights, watch every touchdown, watch every great play, and they feel like they've watched the game. So, yeah, I, I don't think – and who has a disposable income, right? I mean, if you're going to have to pay to watch games – I don't know of many 18 to, to, to mid-20 guys who have enough disposable income to go pay for an NFL game on a Sunday when it was free their entire life. Uh, you know, I know the NFL is trying to monetize everything, but after a while, you know, you, you go to the Golden Goose so many times, there's no more gold left. You know what I mean? And I think that's what the NFL has done with this product. The product isn't better than it was, and they're going to be charging people to watch an inferior product. I just don't see uh, the uh, listen. The hardcore fans they'll watch their team no matter what. But the the, the variety fan likes to watch the games on Sunday without getting really intense and up in the bit. They're not going to pay to watch. I mean, they'll, they no. can live without it. They can live without it. Doug Friend is our special guest this segment. Doug, of course, is a sports columnist for the Hell Tribune and uh, does a terrific, terrific job over there. And so, a couple other things I want to switch gears with you for a minute because. Uh, Doug, going to get a chance to cover the Orioles this year, and the Orioles have been down for such a long period of time until midway through last year. This is going to be the first spring training in quite a few years that you're going to be covering the Baltimore Orioles, a team that has a great chance to be right up at the top in the American League East. No, I, I, I think, listen, they were terrible. They accumulated a bunch of top draft picks. Now those draft picks are coming to fruition. They're, they're major league players. Their farm system is good. Uh you know, they went out and picked up this guy Burns from Milwaukee. You know, I always wondered why Baltimore never went out and got a, a guy to anchor that top of the rotation. They never really had that guy. Well, this guy right. they got from Milwaukee, I think, has a chance. You know, he won the Cy Young three years ago. I think he has a chance to make everybody behind him better. You know, the starters take a step back down. They're not putting much pressure on themselves. Uh, yeah, I think the Orioles – Uh, Listen, the standard has been set, right? They're not going to go back to the way the Orioles used to be. The standard is now we're a 90 to 100 win team and we can make the playoffs. So I think that's the mindset. And once you do it once and and you've proven that you can do it, I think that helps going forward. I mean, once you get over that hump, I think, you know, you can stay there with the influx of talent. I thought Brandon Hyde wasn't that great of a manager a few years ago, but by God, He's got these young guys playing together as a team. 
uh, very well, and now he's considered one of the better managers in the league. Uh, listen, the only team that's not going to be in this race is my freaking Red Sox, okay? <laughs> they, are, they have become the Kansas City Royals in terms of spending, and it's very discouraging when, they, when you charge the highest ticket price in baseball and you trot out guys with five ERAs. I mean, their biggest signing in the offseason was this guy who uh, had a five ERA last year, and they're thinking if they tweak him, they can make him good. I'm like, tweak? This is a team that used to go out and get Chris Sale, used to go out and get the big names, and now they're getting guys they hope they can reclamate, turn into a winning pitcher. Uh, listen, Red Sox fans have reached the point where they're not going to pay $100 to watch a 500 team or a lineup of a bunch of 240 hitters or, or, or a pitching rotation with a bunch of guys with five ERAs. That is not the Red Sox way. And if you talk to a lot of writers around the league or a lot of baseball watchers, they're like, what are the Red Sox doing? What are they doing? Listen, it's a better product. It's a better league. It's a better game when teams like the Red Sox play well. When, the Red, when teams like the Red Sox and the Yankees and Dodgers are doing well, it's good for baseball. When a team like the Red Sox is in the last place, that doesn't reflect well. And people are wondering, John Henry, you know, this team is now worth $2 billion. You paid a couple of hundred million dollars for it, but it's become one of his properties in his portfolio. I mean, now, you know, he owns Manchester United. He owns all these different properties. The Red Sox are just one of his many properties. And it's like, no, no, no. That's a public trust. That team belongs to New England, John, and you're going to take care of it. And he, it looks like he doesn't really care about, uh, about what he puts on the field. There used to be a team that, that always challenged for first place, and now they talk about, you know, we'll contend. They're not going to contend. They'll be in last place this year, guys, behind everybody else. And it's very, very sad because nothing's going to change going forward. This mindset is, is what it is. They brought, they brought in the Tampa Bay guy to do what they did up in Tampa Bay, the Chiam Bloom, right? He was here for four years, didn't do anything. They get rid of him without realizing that the Rays are an organizational mindset. It's not just one guy. You just can't bring one guy from a winning team, organization, expect them to replicate it at another team. It's a, it's a mindset from top to bottom. And bringing in one guy didn't do anything. And now they brought in Breslow, you know, a Yale graduate, pitched for the Red Sox. He comes in thinking they're going to spend money. And then he realizes, well, I guess we're not going to spend money. Uh, I think his eyes have been open too. I thought he, I think he came in thinking that they were going to open up the pocketbook and really get some people, and that hasn't happened. And I think, uh, I, I think he's a little bit chagrined about taking this job now. I, I think it's not what he thought it would be. Uh, it's very sad. Roger? Very sad to see the Red Sox the last place. Yeah, well, the, uh, you know, I agree with that about about the Boston Doug. Uh, you know, it was interesting, early uh, in our conversation, you had brought up about Schaefer Stadium and, of course, when the Patriots played. I lived in New Hampshire then when they built uh, Schaefer Stadium. And as I recall, it cost $12 million, uh, maybe less. And, uh, you know, the, the, the Patriots had trouble uh, filling it, uh, but the Red Sox never had any trouble uh, with bringing people into Fenway Park. It was a great experience. And I can remember my daughter's now 44, but when she was 12 years old, we were up there and we were on our way to uh, Maine and then to Nova Scotia. And we sat in the bleachers at Fenway. And uh, she's a big sports fan, good athlete and everything. And, she, and I'll never forget, she said, Dad, this place is cool. Can we come back? Because she was used to Veterans Stadium, 
<laughs> you know, with the Phillies. And all of a sudden, she's in a different world. And you know what? That is New England. And it belongs to New England, and they need to have a successful uh, team and and not just a run-of-the-mill part of a conglomerate uh, like John Henry has and Josh Harris has, you know, now with the uh, Commanders, the Sixers, the Devils. Yeah, you know, they, they just don't care, and that's sad because they really need to care about these franchises. Well, I mean, the Dodgers care. They, You know, Mookie yes. Betts got traded to the Dodgers. He's going to go to the Hall of Fame wearing a Dodger hat. And, and, and he, you know, he should have been a Red Sox his entire life. The guy is a superstar, Hall of Famer. And the Red Sox had him, and they got, they got rid of him, and they said it wasn't a baseball decision. It wasn't a baseball decision. The guy wanted $30 million and you weren't going to give it to him. So you traded him, and all the guys they got for him, Verdugo, all the guys they got for him aren't there anymore. So basically, basically they just gave bets away uh, because they have nobody to show for it right now. And uh, Chris Sale, Chris Sale is going to go to Atlanta. He's going to be healthy. He's going to be like the number three starter. It won't be a lot of pressure on him. This guy's going to go like 14-2 for the Braves. You watch. 14-2 with like a 2.2 ERA. And everybody in Boston is going to be like, why couldn't this guy do it here? Why couldn't he do that here? Well, <laughs> that's the difference between the Braves and the Red Sox right now. The Braves, uh, the Braves are where the Red Sox uh, used to be, and the Red Sox are where the Braves used to be. And, you know, the Braves used to be the bottom of the division. Red Sox were the top. Now they switch positions. Uh, listen, if you're a free agent, why would you want to go to Boston? If you're an executive, why would you want to go to Boston? It used to be a great place to go to. Now it's like a black hole. So why would anybody want to go there? Uh, look, the Patriots, the same way. Look, they're bringing in assistant coaches who are fired by everybody else. Who wants to coach in New England now? It's, it's, a, it's a situation where the Boston sports teams were very, very good, and now it seems like they're taking a step back in the opposite direction. And, uh, you know, New England's a great sports town, as you guys know, a great sports area. It's sad when all these teams aren't, aren't up to snuff like they should be. Doug, at the same time, I think one of the real, uh, you can't say steals, but one, I think one of the best deals made baseball-wise is the Orioles. I mean, one million, well, what was it, one million three seventy-five, I think. And, uh, you know, now they're going to spend Boku money to re- redo the stadium and uh, do a lot of updates as well as getting the players that they have now in the minor league system and in the major league system. Uh, to me, uh, when you look at all these, you know, paying $6 billion in Washington for a football team, uh, five billion dollars, and and uh, I mean, I I think one point three seven for the two fellows that bought it. I mean, I I gotta think that's a pretty good buy. Uh, and, and listen, listen, it's the it's the worst news for the rest of the teams in the AL East because these guys look like they're going to spend money. The Angelos family was just trying to get money out of that team, right? They never they never, right. they never signed anybody. They never spent any big money. Now that there's new ownership. I think the rest of the league is going to say, whoa, these guys are going to go out and get players. If they need a guy at the trading deadline, they're going to go get him. If they need a guy at the end of the season, they're going to go out and get him. So Angelos never did that. He, he lost, he lost, he lost. They got top draft picks. And if you look at the lineup, a lot of these guys are just draft picks that they took that they got when they were losing at a high draft pick. This new, these new owners are going to spend some cash. So I think if you're a competitor in the AL East, you have to worry about that and say, wow. They got talent, but now they're willing to spend money yeah. when they maybe need a, a, a piece here and uh, here and there. That's a big, big difference the way it used to be in Baltimore. Oh, Doug, I thank you very, very much. Great segment, and uh, talk to you thank later you, on Bob. in the week. 